Yo, everybody, welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast, the 98.2, where attitude is everything. Uh, we say 98% attitude and 2% aptitude. Uh, my dad told me this, Lance, when I was very young, and uh, it confused me at first, but it helped me to realize that my attitude could help me to get the aptitude, but the aptitude could never uh, stand in the uh, place of my attitude. So I want to welcome to the show uh, an incredible friend of mine. This guy has uh, really changed my life and changed the trajectory of my life, uh, although he says that it's the opposite. Um, but uh, you can find him on Instagram at, at LA Kaufman on Facebook is Lance Kaufman. Inspirelodi.com uh, is, is the website for the best coffee in the whole West Coast. Um, he's the founder and creator of Inspire Coffee and the Dream Summit, which is now kind of morphed into the Dream Talks. This guy is a legend, um, although he always is constantly promoting everybody else. Incredible family man. Great husband, great father. Welcome to the show, Mr. Lance Kaufman, or as he likes to be called, Big Sexy. Come on now. Say that again, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What, what an intro, man. Yeah, literally the, the big, and we'll just leave it there. What an honor, man. And uh, I've been looking forward to this. Any day I get to hang out with you for a minute, it's a good day. Hey, it, it, this has been incredible, man. I mean, we came in contact through, um, you know, I had a, uh, some coaching that I was doing up in Sacramento. Uh, one of the ladies yeah. that, that worked with, uh, with me, um, was connected with you, which is crazy yeah. because I find that relationships are probably the most important thing that you can ever form. And most people are looking for the right way to market, the right way to advertise, the right way, the right PR, the, the right agent to have. And for me, it's always just been relationship. Um, I believe you're that kind of guy too. So can you speak to that a little bit and the importance of relationships in your life and how they've affected you in your business and in your life? Well, absolutely. Uh, there's no sh shortcuts when it comes to relationship. I mean, they, they take hard work. You have to put something in in order to get something out. And uh, so you have to give. It's not just take. So a lot of people don't lead with relationship because because of that. It's hard, messy work. Um, it's not about agreement. It's not about a particular company or thing. It's, you know, it's you're going to be my friend and we're going to work through things. And uh, so when somebody through a relational um, filter, um, you know, tells us somebody like they did with you, it was like, yeah, absolutely. Because I had relationship with that person. Um, I trusted that relationship. Um, and then even, you know, with you over the last couple of years, getting to know you, I mean, you know, it's been an amazing thing, but yeah, relationship is key. It's everything right now. Well, it's, it's been incredible because it just spirals. And so, you know, I got a chance, like, I remember you, when you reached out and you said the dream summit and I was like, you know, for me, I was so excited to be able to speak and yeah. I got to do that last year. And, um, you know, uh, pastor Tommy Barnett was there and, you know, you introduced me to him. And so I'm sitting with this legend and, you know, I'm sitting in the back room and, I, I knew of him. I didn't know that much about him, but I'm sitting and then I researched him afterwards. I'm so glad that I didn't do a lot of research beforehand because I would have been so freaked out, but it was, you just, in, you, you are a connector. So where did that right. come from Lance? And you're a connector and a promoter of everybody else. And in the process, um, I believe that, you know, like looking at you and looking at your trajectory, it has so much to do with how you connect everybody else. So where, do, where do you think that came from? You know what? It's just, it's been a belief of mine. One of my core values. Um, I, I don't know exactly where it came from. It's just been natural. One of my dreams has always been to see other people's dreams come true because I realized this young, one of the things I got right as a young man was that if I serve someone else's dreams, my dreams are going to come true. 
Now, I want to make it clear that my motive isn't to just see my dreams come true. That'd be selfish. But there's nothing that gets me more jacked up and excited than seeing someone else step into their destiny and having a small part of that. So, um, you know, if I'm in a staff meeting, I would regularly ask my staff, hey, what's your dream? Because if you're just here to serve my dream and your dreams aren't coming true as the leader or as the boss or CEO or whatever, then I'm failing you as your leader. Because as a leader, I have to be aware of others' dreams. So it's a choice I made long ago that if other people's dreams aren't coming true, then, then I'm missing something. So we work hard at it. Uh, it's a part of who we are in everything we do in, in ministry, in the coffee business, in our traveling, in our summits, all of it. That's one of our core values. So it's kind of just who we are. So do you claim that Lodi is the Central Coast? Do I claim it's the Central Coast? Yeah, because people talk about the Central Coast, and I think the Central Coast is Lompoc, like Lompoc, Santa, Bar- uh, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo. And some people are like, yeah, it's Monterey. I don't believe that Monterey is the Central Coast. Like, in that area, oh. I think it's more Northern California. Do you consider Lodi more Northern California, or are you talking it's Central? NorCal. Yeah, it's NorCal. We, we would say we're in NorCal, or okay. where we are at specifically Central Valley. Okay. Because so you're we sit right in the middle of the Angels. Yeah. So are you representing Lodi? You represent Stockton? What do you represent? I'm representing, the, I, I would say, the region, Central Valley region. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, I mean, Lodi. Lodi is our, our hometown. Proud of that because, you know, people don't know this, but it's the wine grape capital of the entire world. Uh, you know, a town of 70,000 people, we produce more wine grapes than any other town in, in the world. We don't make more wine, but we produce more wine grapes. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of export here. There's a lot of um, worldwide influence through this small little town. Um, it's reaching the world. So when you have a worldwide vision, you know, this is kind of like the place you want to be because it's already reaching the world and has systems in place to do so. So we're Lodi. <laughs> so everybody who comes in contact with you, you're larger than life. Like when you get in your yeah. presence, it's it's incredible. I got like one of my first time, like, well, not the first times, but the first time I got to go to dinner with you was we went yeah. to a very, uh, it was a five-star cuisine. Um, some of you might not have heard of it. It's called In-N-Out. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, <laughs> we got a chance to be able to hang, but yeah. honestly, like you're larger than life, like your personal, your persona, who you are, what you do, like you move in, in areas and you just think it's normal. Like, oh, I'm just doing this. Or I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And it's so monumental to every single other person. Take us back to Little Lance. Has Little Lance always had that? Or is that something that developed over time? Well, it absolutely developed over time, man, because, um, you know, different, a few different instances growing up, I didn't feel significant. I, I didn't feel big. And I remember specifically how that felt. It felt horrible, you know, feeling small. And, you know, the last one picked you know, the, you know, for the kickball team, for, for whatever reason. So, you know, when I had real control over my life, my actions and understood my words had power, I knew I can change the atmosphere of any room I walk into. So um, for my early teens, I made a choice. Like, you know what, I'm going to shift the atmosphere. It may be funky right now, but I can shift that by just walking in and releasing some kind of hope, positivity or, or whatever. So, um, and it's grown. Now I'm aware of it. I, and so because of that, I have to steward it. I know I can walk into and it's a confidence in, because it's not in who will, it's not me. It's who's in me. So I feel I can walk into any scenario, any situation, any room and shift it because um, it's not hard to do when you speak life, man, and believe in people. When you celebrate others, I mean, what their whole demeanor shifts. So I, I love to celebrate others because you can I mean, they get the swag back into their step. 
And, and most people, they're tolerated. They're not celebrated. And so you, you start celebrating somebody, you can watch their entire demeanor shift and change. And so I'll celebrate, even if I have an employee or a family member or a staff member or somebody, I mean, they're just, they're just getting some things wrong. I'll celebrate what they're doing right. And it's, and it's awesome how that kind of what the, the few wrong things they're doing shifts and then they start doing it right. So, yeah. So you got picked last in kickball? I did, yeah. Could yeah. you just not kick the ball? I mean, were you missing the ball? I, were you striking out in <laughs> kickball to Lance? What were you doing, man? I was the I was the the short. Um, let me have a kid um, who ate too many popsicles. <laughs> I, I I could kick the ball, but I didn't have the chance. And then I went into a growing spurt, you know. And uh, yeah. yeah. So when when did you start to uh, lay into that confidence? Then what age did you start to you know because. I think a lot of times early on, we don't kind of know maybe the, the, the old saying, you know, knowing who you are and then you find right. out who you are and you just kind of be, I, I found it more of becoming comfortable, right? So becoming yeah. comfortable with the fact that, you know, I was what I was, then I found that no one else had a challenge with it. When did that process happen for you? I mean, I think it was early on. I mean, because I was aware of who I was at the moment or who people said I was. You know, I was aware that my family didn't have a lot of money. I was aware that I didn't have the new shoes. I was very aware my family didn't have the nice car. I was aware of all these things, and I was aware that people saw that. And I remember what that felt like. I, I remember not being invited to certain, you know, parties because we lived on the wrong side of the tracks, if you will, you know, or we didn't live in a particular neighborhood. Okay. I remember how that felt early on because you don't forget that stuff. And so, um, as soon as I, again, realize my words have power and, and, and I don't have to live up to what people are saying about me or to me. I don't have to put on or receive what they're trying to put on me. I, I can refuse that. Um, so from a young age, I would say, you know, really junior high. I, I really begin to shift and step into it because I realized what I carried. I realized that a smile goes a long way. I realized looking someone in their eyes, I mean, you're, you're awesome. You know, and so even to this day, as I speak, when I go out and travel all over the place, um, it doesn't work so well in other countries that don't speak English. It's awkward. But I'll say, hey, turn to your neighbor and tell them they look amazing. They look awesome. You know, just because, you know, it's just something I, I, I started doing. You know, hey, go tell somebody they look good today. Go tell somebody they're awesome. Go tell somebody they're amazing. Because not everybody has that, you know, so I want to be that person. And from a young age, I, I realized that and, you know, and it's just grown into who I am to this day, man. So it's really pretty easy. The cool thing is just my kids are doing it now. I see them do it and I didn't teach them to do it. They caught it. They didn't, you know, it wasn't taught. It was caught. I love that. Tell us about being uh, caught and not taught because that part is you know, I think a lot of times uh, people who have a skill, they want to teach. Their their intention is just, I'm just going to teach it, teach it, teach it, teach it. And people catch things when they want to. So speak to that caught and taught side. Yeah, well, if I teach it to them and they receive it, they don't own it. When they catch it, they own it. It's theirs. You know, then they have permission to put their own skin around it. You know, so my my sons and my daughter, their encouragement, when they encourage others, it looks different but it's still encouragement, you know, because they see the benefit of it. So I never raised them saying, you got to encourage people and you've got to speak life. You know, I've just, I, we just never did that. And uh, so, but, but 
I let them see the situations and I'll teach them in this sense. I'll say, Hey, watch, watch what happens to this atmosphere. I get to travel uh, a little bit and, and see some amazing places. And some of the places you walk in the room and you can just feel the funk in the room. You can feel it's heavy, you know, and, and everyone feels it. And I'll tell them, watch, I'm going to break this wide open. Watch how I do it. And so I, I, I allow them to kind of see the power of encouragement, the power of words, how you break those things down. And because they've seen it firsthand, they've seen the doors that can open. They see the walls that come down. It's amazing the walls that come down when you're a peacemaker and you're not a war maker and you're a peacemaker and not just a peacekeeper. I mean, it's amazing when they see that. You can get into anybody's life. You know, you get invited to more tables than not. So they see that for firsthand and they're like, I want, I want that. And now they're doing it. So it just so, looks different. So how have you, I think one of the things that, that fascinates me about you is the fact that you have practical application faith. That's the way I think yeah. of you. Right. Right. Because a lot of times people talk about faith, like you're, you're speaking in principle right now. And, but a lot of times when people go into either faith-based or belief-based or whatever it is, they have the tendency to almost flip a switch. And what what I've observed with you over time is there's no switch that's flipped. Lance is Lance and he just continues to be Lance and he happens to say something funny. He happens to say something profound. He happens to say something that's inside of faith. And then he's just able to just boom, boom, boom. But you're, you're able to navigate that and continue to be Lance the whole time where again, like I remember very early on because we weren't raised with any type of faith yeah, um, maybe, I mean, we yeah. were, we were raised with, you know, uh, saying our prayers now, now let me all the things like that. Right. But I remember coming in contact with church at about fourth grade and it was like people uh, turned on church, right? How have you been able to keep that? And I mean, I think that you're one of the pioneers of practical application faith in this world. Yeah. So talk to that. Well, I wasn't raised in the church either. And so, um, um, I, I didn't, I didn't start going to church at all until I was 21. And, uh, so I was kind of late to the game. Um, you know, and I realized, you know, I started replaying, what are some of the reasons I never even thought about church or what are some of the reasons why I despised even thinking about going to church or about God and you, you name it, the whole religious thing. So I kind of worked it backwards. Like what were some of the reasons um, you know, some of it was upbringing, of course, that creates your belief system and how you think and do whatever. But for, for the most part, um, you know, I like I like um, what Bono says. I don't know if I well, we'll just keep it real and raw here. I like Bono says from you, too. He says, you know, God has some weird kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like and, I, and that's kind of where I was at. I'm like, I, you know, I'd get around these guys and they're talking like this and then they would, you know, flip the switch, as you said, and start talking in God voice, man. Like their voice would go deep and it would thunder. And I'm like, like, you're squeaky, man. You don't talk that way. Like talk human, man. Talk (laughs) like a person, you know? And so, and we all know somebody, if you're watching this, you know, that person, you got that uncle, that elder, that somebody that speaks in God voice, you know? And, uh, but when you hear it next time, don't laugh at him. Don't, don't laugh. But, uh, um, but you know, I, 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 I saw it wasn't very authentic. It wasn't real life. And then I started reading scriptures. I'm like, Jesus was all about the parable. He was all about breaking it down to make it palatable so people can actually take it, you know, from a page and put it into their life. Like, it's real simple. Like, love your neighbor. Like, be a peacemaker. Like, right now, 
what a powerful message to be a peacemaker. But see, for most people, they won't be a peacemaker because they disagree with somebody. If you are in agreement with somebody, you don't need peace. You need peace with people you don't agree with. And right now, there's a lot of disagreement on the planet. So somebody needs to raise up, especially the people that claim, you know, to be Christian, because it's in, it's in, you know, our, our Bible, it says be peace, peacemakers. And so, um, you know, you have to work at that. So I, I just started seeing all of this. And I went, you know what, as long as I do this, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be transparent. I'm not going to be, you know, um, fake the smile. If you ask me, hey, Lance, how are you? I'm going to, I feel like crap today. I, I, I'm having a horrible day. And this is why, you know, um, because if I'm vulnerable and transparent as a leader, it gives everybody I'm serving permission to be vulnerable and transparent. They don't have to fake it. So if they're in pain, if they're hurting, if they're suffering, they don't have to put it on the God voice and go, praise God, I'm doing good when they're really not. So I just saw a bunch of that. And when I'll never do that, I can't do that. It's just, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to fit in that template. Because going, you know, do Bible college, getting a degree in theology and doing all that. They said, this is how you have to do it. These are the things you have to say. This is how you look. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I want my money back. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and so I just chose to do it, you know, our way, how we do it. It's authentic. It's real. People, they, they dig it because they, you know, they don't feel small, you know. And what I hated was this, and I'll, I'll stop with this was the us and them rule that the church created, the us and them. You know, it's us and you, you know, us, the Christian, you, the heathen. And there's this line in the sand. I'm like, they they don't understand that, you know, we we get what they're feeling and thinking, you know, on the other side of this. I used to always think, like, do they are they aware that like they, they drew a line between me and them? Like, I've got cooties or something. There's something wrong with me and us and them. So we've worked really hard to erase the line between us and them to the point where now I don't live in the world of us and them. It's just us. And I think that's, that's very important. So. Well, I think that the authenticity part that you talk about and, and being able to, you know, be vulnerable, I think is a, a, a part that so many people are afraid of. You know, and it takes a, a an amazing amount of confidence to have that type of humility. Sure. And yeah. I think that on the flip side, I mean, a lot of times we see people that, you know, have a lack of confidence. So they they won't show humility because they think it'll show that they don't have confidence or they, you know, the, so right. and it, it it's a it's a sad thing. So with this leadership part, it's it's great because what I when I say practical application, um, you know, for you, practical application faith is you're utilizing it in helping, you know, your business to be successful. You guys have uh, the top rated um, coffee shop in Lodi. Am I correct? How many years running? Yeah. Uh, year and a half. Year and a half. This place is all, it's, it's amazing. You, when you talk about coffee, you light up. Like it's a true kind of passion. Same with yeah. your son. Like when I got a chance to spend time yeah. with your son, why coffee? why did you guys do that? What's, I mean, wh- where's, where does that fit in, in lifestyle? Yeah. Well, I love that question because, and I, and I get, get asked that question probably more than any other question. Um, you know, even more than where do I get the nice hair? Believe it or not. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, I'm laughing because man, I got, I just like three weeks ago got the worst haircut hands mm. down, man. It, it's mm. all choppy. I'm, I'm hiding stuff right now, bro. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, why? Because here's the deal. Co- coffee is, I mean, you, you look at the history of mankind, it's been around, 
it, it's 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 not going anywhere. Um, I look at you know not to spiritualize it, but I mean it kind of creates a good framework of of this thought. Um, you know, Jesus would go hang out at the well to get water, but was it really about the water? Uh, it, it, it was and it was. It was more like hey, I'm going to go get some water at the well, but I'm going to see Kelly there, and me and Kelly are going to catch up. You know, we're going to. Hey, Kelly, how's the family doing? Hey, how was that vacay you just took? You know, I, I think your wife rode the wakeboard longer than you. Am I right? You know, kind of, yeah, I stalk you, bro. I know. Right. You know, so it was like, it was life. There was life around the, the well. So what we love about coffee is it's kind of like the modern day well, man. People come and it's not just a cup of coffee for most people. They may, they may think it is, but what happens is you're in their life, man. You're like, hey, how's it going? How's the kids? How was your weekend? How that surgery go? How was your son's wedding in Arizona or, or, or whatever? You know, how's the salon going? You know, how's Vegas? I mean, it's killing it in Vegas. I mean, that's what it is. So it's more than just coffee. So because of that, we created a culture that people feel right away when they walk in our door, they know it's more than just a cup of coffee. And here, and this is what I love. And, and we hear this, I mean, daily. Man, we love the vibe here. We love the vibe. I know what they're saying. I mean, but the vibe is like, it's like, come on in. You know, like we, we this is more than just getting a, you know, the, the best Americana in town. This is about like th- these people, you know, they're, they want to get in my life or they're in my life and I want to share my life. And so it's amazing, man. It's created a culture of its own. So you, you spoke, uh, said it a couple of times. You're talking about culture. Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, it seems to be a buzzword, especially in today's society, but there, there's a, a, a part of society that almost stays away from culture. They're like, ah, culture doesn't do anything. You just spend a lot of time on yeah. kumbaya and things like that. Speak yeah. to culture and how yeah. developing a culture has helped your leadership style and leader, uh, you know, as far as in leadership itself. Yeah. Culture is a big deal. If you're not, if you're not paying attention to your culture, you're not going to last long. I mean, you may, you may be there for a minute, but you're not going to have longevity in any game you're playing or any business that you're in. Culture is essential. We realized that early on. Here's what I know about culture. Culture dictates behavior, right? Culture dictates behavior. What I mean by that is this. If I go to Alaska, it's an Arctic culture. It's very cold. It's extremely cold in Alaska. For one, that's why I don't go there, okay? It, but it's going to dictate. That cold culture will dictate what I can and what I cannot do. What do I mean by that? If I go to Alaska, it's winter, it's 55 below zero. I'm not going to put on flip flops and, you know, Bermuda shorts you know, and, and, and go to the beach and play volleyball and lay out. Why? Because it is an Arctic culture. It dictates my behavior. It dictates what I do. It controls that. Go to Hawaii, on the other hand, where it's a tropical culture. It's warm. Therefore, I'm going to play uh, volleyball. I'm going to lay out. I'm going to wear the Bermudas. I'm going to wear the flip-flops. Why? Because of the culture. It dictates behavior. So I have control of the culture. Okay, if I don't like the culture, okay, I can't blame anybody. I have the power to shift the culture, to change the culture. And once I do that, I can get the behavior. I'll say this better this way, the outcome that I prefer or that my company needs or my um, ministry group needs or whoever it is I'm leading needs. So when I go in and talk to business leaders, the first one of the first things we look at is culture, because if you have the wrong culture, right, you might have the expectations for this, but you have the wrong culture, you'll never get it. So you have to get your expectations to match your culture or vice versa. You know, so we, we really work hard at that. So for us, it's more than it's more than coffee. So we have to live up to that or it's just a statement or it's just a buzzword. 
It's a buzzword until you activate it and you start doing it. So <clears throat> you seem to be like you, you were able to understand and study kind of nuances, right? So you're yeah. looking at it like when you walk into a company, when you go and do coaching with these companies all over the country and all over the world, yeah. you're speaking with them, you're looking at them, you're looking at nuanced things. When is Lance yeah. able to almost just shut off or does he shut off and just be in that spot? Like for me, um, uh, when we went on the lake the other day, thanks for saying it, telling yeah. me that my wife was way better than me. She was, by the way, she's incredible. <laughs> but when we went on the lake, it, it honestly, like, and we got on that boat, it was like everything just shut down completely. It was gone. Yeah. Everything was gone. I was just like a little giddy kid on the boat. Yeah. When yeah. is that time for Lance? Oh, you know what? Um, it's really the way I'm wired. I have, I have to um, make that time. It doesn't just happen. You know, and people ask me all the time, what's balance look like for you? And I'm like, don't even, that's a, what's balance? Throw that out the door. You know, I have a wife that protects my time. I have a, a great wife, you know, Lori, she'll say, Hey, you know what? You're leaning a little too much to the right. Get back here a little bit. Or, you know, she helps guard that because I'm the kind of guy we can take every mountain every day. Let's do it. Um, because I, because I know that I, I, I can protect that as well. Uh, for me, man, you know, it, it's, um, there is that moment. I, I, when I go on a cruise, you know, um, it's one of the, the moments that I just totally unplug um, where I'm not my phone is off. I'm not thinking, um, you know, I'm just enjoying it. But I, I, I've gotten better, um, you know, the older I get, because I, I realize how fast time flies. Um, I realize I can't get time back once I spend it. So I'm very conscious to make sure that I'm not sacrificing family or family time. You know, if it's going to go into a busy season, this is important where there's times that you can't have your family dinner. I'll, I'll tell my kids, I'll say, Hey guys, listen, Tuesday night dinner is not going to happen because we're building right now, but we'll get right. So I, I educate them in that. Um, I'm a concert junkie. I love concerts. The last concert and one of the hardest things for me in this pandemic is <laughs> I may have seen my last concert. <laughs> but it was a good one. It was Bush. It was last year. Bucket list concert. Amazing Bush and live. I know you don't. Oh, don't I love both of them. Live, Bro, live, like, live is one of my favorite groups of all time. They were Awesome. They were awesome. So, you know, but my problem, we used to own a big sound company, you know, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, it was called California pro sound and it, it blew up fast. One of the first gigs we had was working with, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, the black label society, all this stuff. Didn't even try to be big. It just kind of just accidentally like worked <laughs> So, because of that, because I was the sound, you know, we had all, I mean, truckloads of sound equipment and all, all of that, the whole, everything you see put on the show, that was us. And I can't go to a concert anymore without looking at all the backstage stuff, the speakers and, and all of that, you know, it's so hard because I'm like, Oh man, how do they hang that line array? And how do they run that cable? And where's the sound man? And where's the light man? And all that to say it's intentional. And if I'm not intentional about it, it, it won't happen. So I make sure that I make time to, to work hard and to play hard. So, yeah. So with, with this kind of structure like that, right. And I, people ask yeah. me this all the time. I'm a systems guy. I've been a systems guy since I got in the uh, industry, um, yeah. in, in my industry and in, in any industry, like I, I work a lot with systems. Um, you seem to be that way too, where you have like, you yeah. know, you can focus in, I mean, like you said, you want to climb every mountain, you want to go to these places. Okay. How does that work <laughs> in your marriage? Because we can have all the plans that we want, right? 
we can have yeah. like the structure right. and be like, yo, at nine o'clock, baby, we're going to talk about this. And 10 o'clock, we're going to talk about this. And then marriage happens and it's like, yeah. you just pow, pow. And it goes, how does your structured work within the marriage? <laughs> oh yeah. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God I got a comfy couch, man. <laughs> uh, well, you know, just, just today, I mean, you know, I, I, I share everything with my wife, with Lori, you know, and I submit everything to her. Um, and she has permission to take anything off my plate. Even today, she said, hey, you got too much going on. You need to cut some things out. And I've been in that process. So she speaks to that. Um, you know, some of the systems, you know, she's, um, you know, helped me come aware that I'm not married to my systems. I can't be married. I have to have flexibility in my system, right? Because I, what I really want is the result, how I get there really isn't the important thing as long as I get there. There may be a better way, a different way to get there. So I'm always sharing with our team is this and others is that um, the end, like, like the goal is to get to Disneyland. I don't care how I get there. I can take 99. I can take I-5. I can fly. Shoot, if I have extra money and just want to waste it, I can Uber. If I really wanted to, right, there's more ways to get there. There's more systematic ways to get there. But I don't care how I get there as long as I get there because that's the end goal. So I keep – my wife keeps our end goal it, it, always before us, and we hold on to our systems um, very loosely, and we make sure there's a lot of elastic because I've seen a lot of people marry the system, and when it's no longer relevant, they're holding on to something that's dead, and therefore they never see their dreams come true or they see anything manifest because they're doing it the way they've always done it. In fact, I'll just take this quick second to say this right now, this pandemic, right? It's a lot of things. I'm just speaking to, I want to be sensitive to everybody that's experiencing it, Every, but it's affected everybody somehow, some way. Um, every, every, every country nation is, is experiencing it, but stepping back and looking at this pandemic, what, what is it? Okay. What is it? I, I, I believe it's a season. I believe it's a season between two seasons. I believe it's a season. If I was speaking to the church, I would say it this way. It's the season between um, um, old wineskin and new wineskin. Okay. It's a season because we're going to come out of this, but how are we going to come out of this? Problem is this. Most people went in with particular systems, methodologies, ways of doing it. Pandemic hits, but guess what? You're going to still make lemonade, right? But you're going to make it a different way. There's a new way to make it, new systems in place. So the people that are going to miss this great opportunity that's before everyone, it's an equal opportunity moment here for everybody. In fact, it levels the playing ground more than anything else ever in the history, I would say, of humanity. But if you bring old systems into it, nothing's going to change. In fact, it won't work. So what this is really causing us to do is step back and look, because I said this to a team that some, some a team the other day. I said, the pandemic, here's what happened, or moments like this. It reveals our broken systems and our weakest links, okay? Because you have to step back and go, okay, what, what worked and isn't now working for us in the coffee shop? We realized we weren't shipping our coffee. Now, guess what? Within a week, we're shipping our coffee nationwide, all 50 states. We have it on your doorstep within three days. We didn't have that. We didn't have an online store. We didn't have online gift cards. But we didn't realize that until the pandemic hit. Our systems um, before are no longer efficient in the now. Okay. So systems are, are great, but you, but, you but hold on to them loosely because those are the things that are going to have to change with time, not the goal, but how you get there. So. 
So how do you, like when you go into a company and you're, you're, you know, you're talking about systems, yeah. holding on to them loosely, um, having yeah. elastic in that, uh, you know, which I think, yeah. I mean, you painted a, a, uh, an amazing picture. For those of you guys listening, you probably, um, you know, you probably heard that too, as far as the elastic, having elastic in your systems. Um, how are you able to deal with, uh, you know, when you go into organizations, not everybody's jumping on, on, on board. How are you able to deal with that ability to adapt and how, what is it, uh, you know, ability to adapt immediately and what, you know, what advantage does it have for people? Yeah. Well, I, I ask, ask the right questions because you'll never get the right answers unless you ask the right questions. So I've learned, I, I mean, and I'm learning the power of questions. Most times we don't ask questions because we don't, we, we already know what the answer is and we don't want to hear it. So we just don't even ask. So I'll go into a company, I'll go into a staff and I'll say, why isn't it working? Okay. It's easy question. We all know it. Everybody in the room knows it, but everyone's scared to answer the question because the particular methodology that they were once using is no longer working. And that was somebody's idea. Somebody came up with that. They were in a board meeting one day or a boardroom or a planning room or strategy room or a war room. And they said, I got this great idea. And they are all excited and they implement it and it's working. And then all of a sudden it slowly dies. And then next thing you know, it's a dead horse. And they spend all their time trying to resurrect a dead horse that just needs to go, go wherever dead horses go, right? And so they're spending their energy in the wrong direction. So I come in and say, well, what's not working? Let's, here's the rules of engagement, okay? This is safe atmosphere. We're going to create a culture of safety where you can say whatever you want. No one's going to judge, point their finger. We're going to listen with our heart, not our ears and our mind. We're going to hear what they're really saying. And then someone says, well, we had this idea. It was really awesome at the time, and we really liked it. It's no longer working. We can agree on that. Oh, it's not working because it out it outlived its purpose, its season. Okay, now we know. A second question I follow up with after why isn't it working is what do you want? Okay, now what do you want? Let's come into agreement. So if you know what you want or where are you going, then we can figure out how to get there. It's easy. It's not rocket science. Okay, you're going to Disneyland. Here's your three options. Pick one. It doesn't matter to me. Let's just get you there. Okay? And so those are some powerful, powerful, simple, powerful questions that we go in and ask. So we kind of just expose it, you know, so they all can see it. And we all come to agreement. Oh, it's the dead horse. We're trying to resurrect. Yes. Okay. Now what do we need to do? So. Yeah. So once you, once you expose it and then you figure out what it is that you need to, uh, that what the organization needs to do, how are you able to implement? Because I think that the, the difference between, you know, uh, I was just, uh, reading, just kind of going over it again, good and great yesterday. Um, and yeah. you know, a lot of times people expose, right? Not as many people expose. If more people exposed in their company or in their lives, things would get better. So they expose first, right? Then they make a plan, right? And that's what you're saying is make a plan. The third part is the part that most people never get to, which is called implementation. Right. How do you get right. someone to be able to implement after exposure, after the plan, now we implement? Because that's really, the, if you have those three, am I correct on this, Lance? If you have those three in a relationship, in an organization, yeah. you, you, yeah. you yeah. really couldn't not be successful, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it really all wraps around, you know, what do you want? And you remind the organization, you remind yourself, you remind, I remind myself, 
what is it that I really want? Everything else is a piece of the puzzle. It's just a season to get me there. It's a tool to help me get there. What do I really there for a second? I lost you there All for right. a second. So yeah, so I'll pick up right, kind of where I left off okay. or I'll go back. I'll rewind it a little bit. Okay. Rewind, rewind. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to culture. It really does. Um, because if I have created a culture, let's say in my organization, or say if you created one in your organization of safety, where I can be honest with you, we can share our heart. We can say, I don't like that. And I, we have a culture that understands that and a culture that says, Hey, they may not like my idea, but they still like me. Come on. That's important because wow. we take it personal. We get offended. What do you mean? It's not your, it's not you. I don't like, it's just your idea isn't relevant anymore. So you create a culture where it's safe to say, Hey, this isn't working anymore. In your culture, that doesn't mean you don't like the person anymore. We just understand it doesn't work anymore. So you can have honest conversations. Now, most people don't get to implementation because they start fighting at the table <laughs> and they disband because they're like, you offended me. And, you know, don't say those mean things to me. Everybody wins and you know, everyone gets a trophy. Um, but so you control that with your culture. See, healthy confrontation is built into our culture. Like we can have a conversation because I, I love you, bro, because because I love you. Not not it's not it has nothing to do with agreement. It's because you're amazing and we can have a we can have a deep, hard talk, and I'm still gonna love you. Because our relationship isn't based on agreement. So and if you don't create that, you're gonna have a bunch of yes people that won't be honest. You need honest people, not yes people, because you can't take ground with yes people. They'll tell you whatever you want to hear or somebody wants to hear, and you'll never take ground. So if you have a culture of honesty, healthy confrontation, then it's easy to get to implementation because you just go through it. You know, yeah, this is part of what we do. This is what we do. We just have drink talks and we just chop it up. And, oh, that's not going to work. It used to work. It doesn't work anymore. It's not personal. Gary, that was a great idea, you know, back in the day. But right now it's, you know, it's it's no longer relevant. So culture is the answer to that. That's incredible, man. So yeah. when you're, when you're lead, cause uh, you know, obviously you have leadership in you. Like I see the, you know, you, for those of you listening, um, I'm sure you can hear it through the, through your headphones. If you're watching it, you can see it in Lance and you just have it. Like you have it, that, that leadership part, where do you gain inspiration, mentorship, because most of the time people look at a person like yourself and they're like, wow, you're coming into companies. Um, you're turning them around. You're consulting and helping them to be able to grow. You're helping individuals to be able to grow groups, to be able to grow. You're doing yeah. your own business. Where do you draw inspiration? Where does that come from for you? And how do you get filled up? Oh man, that's, and that's a great question because um, if I don't, if I don't lead myself well, I can't lead others well. And that's a core value for me. I've got to lead myself well before I can lead others well. Um, so it's very strategic for me. And for me, um, it's not a, it's not my principle. I borrowed it from somebody. Um, but I, you know, I believe you need three types of people in your life. Those that are, I, I don't like to use the word underneath. I don't like that, but somebody who's aspiring, they're, they're climbing up the ladder. They're trying to break into whatever you're doing. And I love to pour in. You need somebody that you're always pouring into, or you'll get fat. You always need to pull yourself out. You need to serve other people. And here's the thing. I, I like to serve down so they can come up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. A lot of times we, we serve up to get somewhere to open a door. No, you honor and whatever, but I serve down to bring people up. 
Okay, so motive is big. So I'm finding who can I serve that's just trying to break in? Whose dream can I pour into? I got that. Then I have peers. I got people that, hey, they're where I'm at. We're at the, you know, we're at the same, you know, professional stage of our life or, you know, same income stage. We're running the same pace We're we're, you know, we're, we're, we're buddies, we're, we're peers. Then I have people that are where I want to go. Okay. Those are the people that I, um, I'm very careful who I choose because you have to be very careful who you allow speak into your life. For instance, I won't let anybody speak into my life who, who has a, uh, um, uh, let me say it this way whose home is not in order. Like, like, like there's plenty of people that are on top of their mountain. I mean, they killed it, bro. They killed it. They're at the top of the mountain and they got everything to show for it, but their family, they got to the top and they lost their family. Now is there grace for them? Absolutely. I'll walk with them through it, but I'm not going to plug in their systems into my life because what they did cost them their family. So what I do Mm. is I will look for people strategically who are at the top of the mountain that I'm climbing because first of all, they know how they get there. They know what it takes. They're experts. Okay. And I trust them. I trust their journey. Okay. And so I, and then I, the second thing is, is their house in order? Does their life wife still love them? Do their kids still honor them? And if, if, if it's yes to those three, then I'm like, yeah, I'll let them pour into my life. And I've said no to some, you know, some huge, opportunities because I'm like, well, if I got to lose everything to get to the top, then I'm cool at the middle or I'll find a new way. I'm not cool at the middle. Let me sit that straight. I just <laughs> believe there's a way to get to the top and not lose your family. All right. I'll just find another trail and create, create our own. For instance, when I brought you in to the, to the dream summit, the first time, you know, it came through a relationship. I trusted the relationship. I never met you. And, and, and she said, Hey, you got to meet this guy. And so the first thing I did is I just started looking at your Insta. You know, and you had all these videos, Mindset Monday. Come on, I love it. And I loved what I loved was was how you brought your kids in, you know, and how they still would look up to you and you see the sparkle in their eye. And, you know, they it was just you can't make that stuff up. Maybe once or twice, but not week after week, you know, and how your family, you really sense family, you, you always honored your pops and how you celebrated others. And and I one day I want to meet your pops, man. Your your dad is amazing. And and uh uh, that's one of my bucket list things for reals. I mean, because he's erased some incredible sons and you're no accident, bro. You did the work and we're smart enough to listen to him, but he poured some good stuff in and, uh, I'm a, I'm hoping he'll pour some stuff into this, but, uh, but anyways, but that's what I look at. And you had your, your, your home in order, you know, I'm not talking about being perfect and all these things and, you know, but, but your priorities were right. I never forget. I've seen you on the, one of the biggest stages and, you know, and, and I, it might've been a Paul Mitchell event or something. And you had your little girl, you know, by your side and it made me cry, man. I'm like, dude, he gets it. And it gave me hope for what we're fighting for because I'm like, he's climbing the top of the la- He's climbing to the top of his mountain and he still has his little girl by his side. He's still his son's hero. His wife still says, I love him. You know, that's my man or whatever. Dude, that's what I allow to pour into my life. So when I invite you in, it's like, okay, check, check, check. So I know I, I can I can never understand how people will allow somebody to pour into their life who've never been where they want to go because they read a book. Like there's people getting marriage 
marital advice and they've been married like a year. <laughs> you know, you're like, how, how are you going to fix my marriage? I want advice from someone who's 50 years in. They still love each other. They still, you know, flirt. They still do all these things. I want them to pour into me, not the young buck, you know, who's been married for you or somebody who, who doesn't even have a job yet giving me financial advice. You know what I'm saying? So I find people who are where I want to be first and then they have to have everything else in order. I don't compromise that. I, th- I think it's incredible because we live in an age right now. And, and it's funny because I have so many, so many people that I'm around in the, uh, as far as culture, I almost stayed away from um, some of the education that I was doing because I had seen, you know, a kid go and they uh, just studied, like you said, they read like a half a chapter of a book and then created a course. And then yeah. <laughs> created that course and was like, yo, you need to be financially secure. And uh, you know, you're 17. You know, right? like, so I, I love that you're speaking, you know, I love that you're speaking to that. What is the, what do you think the importance of, of being, um, a good father? Because I think that in our nation right now, it's probably to me, it's the number one thing. And when people talk about challenges, whether it be in our culture or, you know, different, uh, unrest that we have, I believe that a lot of that has to do with strong fathers. Um, what, what, if any, uh, you know, effect has that had on you and, and what do you feel about it? Yeah, I think the father role is a huge role. I mean, it, you know, in understanding that, that it's my job to, to pour into my kids, you know, and I think, I, I think just not to, you know, use you as an example, but I mean, there's a perfect picture we can all look at. You, you always, you always are quoting your pops. What's that mean? It means he was pouring into you from an early age. You know, I remember you sharing some stories over lunch one day, um, you know, and just talking about how your pops had this effect. I mean, maybe it's so built into you, you're not aware that you're even doing, or you probably are knowing you, you're probably very aware of, of what stories you share, but I'm like, okay, here's a perfect example of a father pouring into a son and now a son is massively successful or his sons are, are massively successful. It's not by accident. So I understand my job is to, is to raise my kids and, and, and to pour into them the right things and to equip them and to empower them, but to allow them to kind of put their own skin around it, you know? And I know I'm in ministry and we're, I was just talking about this today and I'll never forget my oldest son, Nate, and he, him and my youngest son, they both run the shop. And Nate went off to play um, college football. You know, I've been a pastor for, gosh, 20-something years. And uh, so someone said, what's Nate? He was leaving for school. And he was going to go play um, football and be a history major. And someone said, oh, is he going to, you know, go study uh, ministry? And he's going to be a pastor. And they, they, like, lit up. And I went, no, he's, he's going to be a football pl- uh, f- play football and be a history major. And this is what they said, bro. They said, I'm sorry. Like they were sad. You see, there was a measurement of success. Okay. The, the measurement for success in that field for me at that time or for ministry at the time was whether or not my kids stepped into ministry, traditional ministry. Mm. See, that's not success. Success as a father is recognizing the gifting in your kids early on and then pulling it out and then empowering them and equipping them and giving them permission to be who they are. So early on, my son, Nate, the one I just mentioned, he knew stupid stuff about history, bro. Like he knew like Washington's, you know, great grandmother's name. I mean, stuff that no kid should know, but he was <laughs> so drawn. Like he's the guy you want to call on Jeopardy. I, I'm telling you what, you know, and he he just knew stuff. We're like, man, he's like a history, you know, guy, history buff. And so we begin to say, hey, you know, history. You're, I mean, you really know things normal people don't know and you just cling to it. It's a gift. 
and we just began to water that. No, we didn't tell him that's what he had to do, but we just recognized the gift, right? My other son, my youngest son, he was a business guy. I mean, he thinks business. I mean, his mind is business. And I mean, he's a brilliant little businessman and he's going to make millions someday, you know, and, and I already know it, but we recognized that early on, you know, and, uh, you know, and it, he was like eight on a field trip to the Capitol. And this guy rolls up in like a, it was like a fancy, unmarked, black, nice car. Forget what it was. And he goes, I want to be whatever that guy is. And I said, well, why? You don't even know what he does. But look at his car, Dad. <laughs> so I realized he, you know, money and things. And so we just kind of stirred that. Now he's one of the biggest givers to the kingdom. He gives. He knows what it is to give. And, and it's an honor to make money, to give money, to build and expand. So recognizing the gift, pouring pulling it out and then pouring into it, watering it. And they giving them permission to fall off the bike a few times, right? Giving them permission to make some mistakes, you know, and not disowning them and letting them find out who they are, you know, but keeping, you know, um, the, 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 the boundaries on that, if you will. So, yeah, like, let me, I'll end with this. Yeah, no, I, no, you can go. Someone asked me before, and this is the question. It was, I was teaching a bunch of crazy, radical, on fire Bible college students, they're all going to change the world, man. They're going to go some country and state or do something big for God. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just chopping it up with them. And one of them says, what is the, what is one of the greatest um, things that you, that, that you've done in ministry? What is one of the greatest success stories in ministry? What is it? And I knew what he wanted to hear. He wanted to hear about the miracles in Romania, the trip to <laughs> Amsterdam. He wanted to hear how we were in Hungary. And I mean, he wanted to hear, you know, that stuff. He wanted to hear all that. And, and there's some fun stuff. But what I told him was this, and it wasn't what he was expecting. I said, my greatest success in ministry is my family. Mm. I, my wife still loves me. And my kids, they, they still love God. And they still believe in the local church. And they, you know, I said, that's the greatest success. But that didn't just happen. That was pouring into them, allowing them a chance to be who they are. I never put anything on them that wasn't theirs to carry. My broken dreams didn't become their dream. And that's what a lot of parents do. They put their broken dream on their kids and it's up to their kids to fulfill their parents' broken dream. Mm. It's not the responsibility to fulfill my broken dream. They got, they got their own giants to slay. So I can go on and on, but yeah, you get it. No, you could go on as long as, as long as you want. I know too, because both your sons and when the thing that you didn't mention is that both of your sons admire you and look up to you uh, like, and it's not from a, a fear. It's from right. uh, the other part of fear, which is respect. And right. I see the way that they look at you. I see the way that your wife looks at you. I see the way that yeah. this is the one that we haven't talked about, but this is the one that melts Mr. Lance, which is yeah. your daughter. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so we could be systemized. We could be, yeah. you know, Hey, we're going this way. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about how your little girl just yeah. basically shakes the whole thing up and, you know, throws all that oh, stuff out the window. Yeah. Cause I see oh, yeah. you with her. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, I never, uh, shot a gun until I had her, man. And, uh, I, I told her, I said, I wish, I wish you looked like me and not like your mom, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and, and I'm serious. I'm like, man, if she looked more like me and I wouldn't be in trouble, but man, she, she really, she's the bravest, most courageous person that I know. And seriously, when I, and that's one of her gifts. And I tell her all the time, I said, baby girl, you are courageous. And you are a risk taker and you just step out and do things and you'll try things that scare you. So, man, I'll have her pray for me. Man. I'm like, hey, dad has to make some big decisions. I need your courage. Um, but, man, you know, it's it's just, um, you know, especially 
raising kids in the church world, there's a lot of expectation that people put on the kids. And so I, I cut that off real quick. Okay. I let my kids be kids, you know, and you know, if my daughter wants to do some things that traditional church people might, uh, you know, trip on a little bit, I'm like, baby girl, just go do it. Freak that religious spirit out. <laughs> I mean, dude, I mean, you know what I mean? It's because um, I want her to be her. We need her to be her. God created her to be her. And my job is not to tame her, to be the tame line that people want her to be. It's to be this radical lioness that God is raising her to be. So, uh, man, you know, she's um, amazing. You know, she thinks she owns everything. She pretty much does. Um, you know, it's funny because our boys, there's a big gap. My boys are 25 and 23 and she's 15. So there's like a 10 year gap there. And when, uh, we had our boys. I mean, we were just barely breaking into life, man. It was top ramen. It was fried bologna. Come on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was all that. Sometimes it was sloppy Joe. Oh, slow, you know. Um, uh, oh, slop no Joe. It yeah. was just. It was a different season, man. And then she comes in, and we're doing better. <laughs> so her struggles aren't their struggles, and uh, and she's very aware of that. And so they were giving her a bad time the other day, and she says this with confidence. She's like, "I can't help when I was born." You know, and, uh, you know, so, yeah. How are you going to, how are you going to be able to, with, with your kids? I mean, like you said, I mean, you, you, when you had the first two, there was top ramen, there was struggle. There was, this is the thing that I said to young kids. I said to them, look, if you're spending more than $8 and 40 cents, a, uh, let's see, $8 and 40 cents. Um, yeah, $8 and 40 cents per month on food, then you're wasting money. And they were like, what do yeah. you mean? And I said, well, right. if you do three meals a day, three meals a day is going to be uh, seven days a week is 21. 21 times four weeks in a month is 81, right? Or 84. Yeah. 84 meals that you have in a month, top ramen is 10 cents per package or 10 for a dollar. So if you're spending more than $8.40 on food and you've got debt and you're a young person, you're wasting money and it's your fault. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you come from that mentality. Obviously, your kids don't come from that mentality because now daddy has explored the world. He's done some great things. He's pulled himself up right. through, for, from his bootstraps. You and your wife have done amazing things. Yeah. How are you going to be able to be a bootstraps generation and then with your kids, how are you going to have them continue to plant and go as opposed to just consuming the crop that you have? Because this is probably one of the biggest challenges in families today. Yeah, I mean, they, they you know, we taught them early on. And if you were to take my kids right now and, you know, and, and one-on-one without any prep talk on my side, they, they, they know all great things come with a cost. They know there's a price connected to everything. And so even, even, you know, I, I joke with my girl, I, she knows, she knows she's spoiled and there's things I'm going to do for her because she's my girl and I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, but, but, you know, because of, you know, just teaching, you know, asking her, Hey baby girl, what do you want? What do you want? Well, heck dad, I really don't know. I'm only 15. Okay. That's fine. I'm not, but what do you want? And I teach her the principles. I teach her some of the things like, you know, if you save this, you know, and then you do these things, these things can happen. You know? So it, I think it's what you just said. It's just teaching the basics of that. And, but, but they, they know that, that nothing worth anything comes for free or cheap. They know there's a price tag connected to, to every, everything. Like, like my, she saved her money for Christmas one year about my wife is very expensive bottle of perfume. I'm like, girl, how did you do that? 
She says, dad, I saved my money. Hmm. Oh, you know, so, you know, it's just pouring the right stuff in and hoping the right stuff comes out. We can't control that, you know, but it's making sure that they have the right principles and they actually see it. So if I make a big purchase or, or I don't make a purchase, I try to pull them into my process. And I've always done that. Like, Hey, this is what I'm up against. And this is what might happen or may not happen. I've done that with decision-making, you know, as much as I can, there's some stuff they don't need to know about, but you know, but Hey, dad's going to make a leadership decision here. Some people may not like it and they may vote with their feet on leave, but this is why I'm doing it. And so I bring them into the process and they know that if I make this decision that I feel is right and it came with a cost, like someone may leave because sometimes people, they, they, they don't like change. They know that, you know what I did, what I, I, I didn't submit to the fear of having somebody leave. I, I submitted to the fear of not doing the right thing. And so that, that, that trickles down all that to say to every area of raising my kids, like she knows she's spoiled, but she knows that there's also another side to that too. Cause now we're talking about cars. We're talking about that stuff. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. I'm going to call you for a loan, bro. <laughs> it's coming quick. My, my dad was with my son a couple of years ago and he was like, Hey, uh, Maddox, would you, uh, you know, he calls him Kempa. Cause he, that's, that's my dad's nickname. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, Hey, um, Maddox, what would you like to have for lunch? And my dad was thinking he was going to take him cause he always does like McDonald's. And my son turned and he was like, Kempa, let's go to Benihana's. And <laughs> my yeah. dad was like, boy, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? But it's a different yeah. generation. We get them around yeah. stuff, but we want to make them, uh, right. we want to make sure that they have the work. But I love the fact of what you said is bringing them into the process. Um, because I think yeah. that a lot of times people don't have the confidence enough to be able to bring them into the process. I've watched you grow over the last two years, like exponentially Lance. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you see it all the time, but I mean, I've seen you, uh, you know, change, move and grow in the two years. Now you're over the course of your life, you've grown tremendously and you have phenomenal systems put in play as far as not uh, like you were talking about, uh, elastically holding on to systems, constantly looking and getting better. If you had the opportunity to go back to seven-year-old Lance, what advice would you yeah. give to him? What advice? I would have paid attention to my gift set earlier um, because I was an entrepreneur as a young man, and I thought it was survival. Like when you don't grow up with a lot of money, you just do things to survive. You know, and so I was just trying to get money to go uh, roller skating at the rink, you know, and, you know, so I would go buy all the popsicles from the ice cream man, you know, at our school and sell them for double the price, you know, and what I thought was just a kid without money, just trying to make a buck to go, you know, I didn't realize that was entrepreneurialism, you know, and then went to junior high and I started selling, you know, blow pops and all the other things, hour laters and all that stuff. Hour laters, yes. Yeah. Double the price, man, you know, and I thought it was just survival so I can get an extra burrito at the snack bar. It was entrepreneurialism. And then I got into high school and started selling um, pharmaceuticals. It was entrepreneurial. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I'm saying, I, I, wish, I wish I had somebody recognize that gift, and I wish I knew it was a gift. I didn't recognize it early on because I was, I was, I was working out of poverty, not prosperity. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a mind. So it's so important. And going back to my kids to answer that question even better, 
is I teach them the principles of prosperity versus poverty. You can have a lot of money, but the poverty thing is to do is go buy the, you know, the $80, you know, shirt when you don't need it. Right. So they understand the principles of those things. So I wish I would have developed those things earlier on. Um, Yeah. So. I got a couple of questions for you. I was in, um, in Chicago and my wife, um, you know, I got a chance to be able to be there right after, right, right after the riots. So the riots hit and then the next day I was there and I walk, I got to walk the city. I just, uh, you know, took off and, and just wanted to walk as far as I could. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. She got, I called her and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm walking or whatever it is. And she said, you know, I got some questions for you. And it was four questions I'm going to ask you. Um, but it really changed my whole day and it changed my outlook on what, what was going on. Cause my wife, as you know, you have a very wise wife, uh, amazing woman yeah. in Lori. Um, but my wife asked me these questions. So number one is Lance, what do you want to be? What I, what I want to be? Yeah. What do you want to be? What I want to be is I want to be someone that my kids look up to that say, I want to, I want to be like my dad. You know, I want to be the best father, the best husband, the best friend, you know, before anything else, you know, because my relationship value is so high now it's, it's on the top business wise, you know, I want to be someone that gets to the top of the mountain and, you know, in every mountain I try to climb and still have my family and have brought a massive amount of people, you know, so I want to be somebody that takes people with me to the top of the mountain and including my family. So that's amazing, man. Yeah. I, I want to tell you this. This is, uh, I, I didn't know that, uh, but what God just gave me, and he gave me something that my pops told me. He said, sometimes there's only one ticket to the bus. Hmm. Uh, and I struggled with this very early on. So this is the word that he's given to you right now. And I was in, uh, this was 1999. I was in uh, Las Vegas. I had moved there and I got a chance to be able to see some stuff that was crazy. And all my buddies were in town, about seven, eight of my buddies. Um, and I invited them to this uh, membership club. That was phenomenal. And I had a, a membership to it because of the company that I worked with, but no one at my age, I was the youngest member of it. It was called the foundation room at the house of blues. And it was like, I can't remember at the time. I think it was maybe $7,000 a year or something like $7,500 a year. I didn't pay for it. I was just a member, but to go up there, it was like the elite of the elite. You couldn't get up there unless you're a member. Well, I set it up for all my buddies to be able to come with me. Mm. And all of them started making excuses. I don't have anything to wear. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the only people that showed up, I reserved this whole room. And the only people that showed up was my mom and my dad. And I was so mad. I was so hurt and all this stuff. My dad pulled me aside. He said, boy, like you've heard him say before. He said, boy, sometimes there's only one ticket to the bus. And in the event that you try and get your friends on, then you're not going to be able to go for the ride. So I want to speak life into you that there's going to be places that you go Obviously, your family's going to go, but there's no one else going to be able to go except Lance. And by you going there, by you going there, you're going to be able to see it and open up the possibility for other people to come. But I know your spirit, and this is what God's saying to you right now, is there's going to be some times where you're going to be, you're going to want to grab a hold of the people and say, come with me, and they ain't going to be ready. Right. One ticket to the bus. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Next, Next question. Uh, what are you willing to do? What am I willing to do? Whatever it takes, man, within, you know, my integrous boundaries to, to get where we're going. I mean, 
whatever it takes to be the better person, whatever it takes to, you know, to be the father, the husband, you know, to put in the work, you know, and that's the bottom line is I can have all these great aspirations, but if I'm not willing to put in the work, you know, if I'm not willing to get up early or step later to be a better me, then, you know, so for me, whatever it takes to discipline my life, to, to do everything we're talking about. So what are you willing to release? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, because that's exactly where I'm at. And I know this, it, this is why that hit me because I'm like, I'm here right now. And and maybe I can answer the question better next week, but I know I have to let go of some things now in order to take hold of the things that are for me. There's some things I've been carrying around that are out of season that I need to let go of in order to take hold of, you know? And so I'm kind of like, okay, what's, what's mine and what's not mine or what was mine, but what's not mine for the future. So I'm there right now. Yeah. There's quite a few things. Well, there's a few things, yeah, that they're just, they've ran their course, yeah. Uh, another thing that God just put on my heart for you is uh, I was in New York City, and um, I I was giving away things from stage. And as I'm giving away uh, things from stage, people are really excited. Well, yeah. I remember I pulled out a smoothing iron. Well, I knew the smoothing iron was just the box. It wasn't the smoothing iron. And I pulled out the smoothing iron box, and I said, you know, who would like this? And this lady said, oh, I want that. And I went to give it to her. I handed it to her and she got it. She was so excited. She kind of felt it was kind of light. She was whatever. And then I said, uh, now turn around because it was the best gift out of everyone. I said, now turn around and go give it to somebody who you think should have yeah. it. And she was so excited. Yeah. And then when she had to give it away, she was like, oh man. Yeah. And then she went and gave it away and she just stood in the corner and I didn't talk to her for another like five minutes afterwards. And yeah. everyone was like, this guy's a jerk. Yeah. And then I let the crowd know that this young lady learned the most valuable lesson ever, which was that to be able to receive what's coming to you, you got to release what's in your hands. And right. God wants you to know right now is step. Like step. Because he's yeah. not going to, I mean, he's going he's gonna to bless you overly abundantly. I mean, more than you could yeah. ever imagine. And my dad said it to me like this, you can't put $100 bills into clenched fists. And right. as soon as, and it's not going to be, I tell you, Lance, in you and Lori's life, it's not going to be a process. God is not in processes. He's not in processes. He doesn't have a 12-step program. He is literally just like that. So as soon, like, and I want you to tell your wife this when you're done, as soon as you go like this, he's going to fill it back up. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, 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 it immediately. So as soon as yeah. you can release, he will fill it up. So I just, I want to, I want to let you know that. Um, last, last one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> last one, Lance. What are you willing to receive? Uh, $200 bills. <laughs> <laughs> we will take baby steps. So, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, you know, I'm in a season where I'm really learning to, to know the difference between, um, um, see this, you know, um, how do I say this, uh, what to give away and what to keep, okay. you know, there's a difference. And so I don't want to eat my bread, you know, and, and throw away my seed or eat my seed and throw away my bread. What I mean by that is I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to, receive better. I think, um, you know, it's hard sometimes to receive, but I'm, I'm learning. It's a process. So there's people that want to give 
or whatever. And I kind of shy away from it. Like, uh, you know, are you fine? And what they, what they're saying is, Hey, do you need some help? And I'm like, Oh, I'm good. I got this, you know, pride probably most likely, you know, I got this and I really need their help because in order to get their help, I'd have to receive, hmm. you know? And so I think that a lot of the guys that I, that I look up to, they, they've been good at receiving. They've been good at reaching out for help and receiving help when they need it in whatever capacity it can be financial, most whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, I'm working on that one, man. Honest answer is I'm working on it, working on being better. Well, I love, I love the vulnerability in it. And what I want, what I keep hearing, what God keeps giving to me right now is that you don't need to prepare. Um, that's already done. Um, yeah. you don't need to work on the, 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 like the skill sets that you have, anything like that. All it is Lance is exposure. That's all yeah. it is. And that's the yeah. word that keeps coming to me over and yeah. over again for you yeah. is that all it is going to be is exposure. And like today, right. you listeners out there, you listen to this man's principles. You listen to where he's, where he's steeped in, where his foundation is. I mean, this is the guy who's going to lead businesses. This is going to be the guy who is going to help uh, businesses to be servant led as opposed to be that normal pyramid scheme for people to be able to be listened to, to be heard and to build phenomenal, sustainable companies. It's just the exposure lance. That's it. But what God wants right. you to know too is it's not going to be exposure in the normal way. He's going to have Joe who you pass by on the corner end up talking to yeah. Jill and Jill is going to be the owner of this and she's going to be able to do that. It's not going to be in the traditional sense, but right. exposure is the season that God is going to be able to bring the increase and that's all he needs. Yeah. And, and he doesn't need it from you. All he needs you is like this. Mm. Yeah. Cause when you do that, he's going to expose it. So, yeah. and what's great yeah. is it goes right back to the word that you said when we started, yeah. right? Because you said yeah. the company needs to expose what's right. going on, create a right. plan, and then implement the plan. He's just going to yeah. expose. He's going to expose you to the world. And yeah. anyone out there listening right now, you need to be exposed to this guy. You need uh, to be exposed to Lance. Because Lance can change your company. Lance can change your relationship. Lance yeah. can help you in your marriage. Lance can help you to be a better dad. He can help you to be a better businessman. And he can help you with the best coffee in all of Lodi and the Central Coast, right? Or the uh, Central Valley, I should say. Central Valley. Central yeah. Valley. Central, Central Valley. Valley. Come on. Let's get it straight. <laughs> okay. So I did the, the podcast for, uh, for me. The whole reason why I did it is to uh, – I uh, take iconic people like yourself and humanize them. Yeah. And the reason why is because I wanted my kids. This is, I did this podcast for my kids because I wanted yeah. my kids to see that a person like Lance that's yeah. traveling all over the world, that's coaching businesses, that's, you know, creating, uh, you know, the dream talks, the dream summits, bringing people together, lifting people up, creating the, the, uh, you know, the inspire coffee, but with a whole different thought process, building families, being a phenomenal father, all these things are a human being that happens to have a phenomenal attitude and a work ethic. And the more and more that I can expose my kids to those type of people, then they can see that whatever it is that they want to do and their purpose to be, then they can go out and do it. So yeah. if you could look into the screen, Maddox and McKenna, Maddox is the little man, the little crazy cartoon character okay. and McKenna's this little sweetheart uh, run around, cook everything and uh, leave my house a mess. Um, yeah. 11 years old, eight years old. 
if you could use their names, Maddox McKenna, look into the screen. Yeah. What advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? Maddox and McKenna. Hey, I would say to you, chase your dream regardless. Don't let anybody talk you out of chasing your dream. God put that inside of you and uh, it, it needs to break out of you. And, uh, you know, I have learned so much from the two of you just jumping on your your uh, the, uh, Instagram stories with your pops. And I really I watch you guys are full of so much wisdom already and you're teaching the world already. And so it's an honor just to be able to, 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 to have a front row seat and watch that from a distance. But stay true to who you are. And uh, I just pray my prayer for you, too, is this, that God would continue to lead you and guide you. And you would always hear his voice and let that be the compass that leads you through this life. So keep dreaming big, guys. Well, Turn uh, the world upside down. <laughs> well, I tell you, this is the time where you subscribe, you click the links. Um, you know, our, our episode today is uh, sponsored by Piper Diamonds. I didn't mention them early on. Uh, you want to lace your woman up. You want to make your lady icy as could be. Uh, Piper Diamonds has all of your needs. I tell you, Lance, you check him out. Uh, Travis Piper, this guy is on fire. Um, incredible. Yeah. We've got some new stuff coming for the podcast. Also, Compton and, Bro- uh, Compton and Broomhead Dental uh, out of Munster, Indiana. These guys as far as the dental world, they're on top. They're, they are, uh, I mean, they're constantly pushing it to new levels. And then lastly is uh, Cardenas Law Group out of uh, Las Vegas, a boutique law group that will leave you talking about the experience of your lawyer, which has never happened ever in the history of man. Uh, not on a positive note anyway. Um, so uh, Lance, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, any final message for these guys and these listeners? Yeah, just pay attention to who you surround yourself with. The older I get, the, and I've heard it said, and I know all of you have as well, is you are the average of the five people you you surround yourself with. And so pay very close attention to who you've surrounded yourself with and water those relationships. And uh, the older I get, the more true that is. And that's why I'm inviting people like Kelly at even a deeper level to to have a place into my life and to speak into my life so have those people that you trust and get yourself in the right family because that's where dreams come true and when you're in the right family so well we thank you so much i'm gonna ask you for a part two before um before we even get off this i want to be able to have you on again i want to be able to i want to i want you here live in the studio um but also um you know, I want, I want part two, part three, part four, you know, cause we need to, we, there's a lot of things that we need to dig into. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about relationship, man. It's uh there's no one hit wonders in relationship. It's the long haul. I want to drive in your car though. Hey, a 63, oh, 63 Impala, baby. Let, let's yeah, do that. So now, now's the time where I'm going to push the button and we're going to look at each other uncomfortably for 15 seconds yeah. as the podcast ends. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody.